This is What's the Deal, Grosseal, a podcast about the people, places, history, and events that make Grosseal unique. I'm your host, Ben Fote. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you'll remember Episode 7 when I spoke with John Hardig about the Gibraltar Bay unit of the Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge. One thing he was emphatic about was that the group we're talking about today doesn't get enough credit for the work, and I mean real work, that they do with the wild spaces we have here in Grosseal Township. That organization is the Grosseal Nature and Land Conservancy. As always, I'll have links to everything in the episode notes and in the transcript. You do know that you can see the transcripts, don't you? All the transcripts are at transcripts.whatsthedealgi.com. Now before we get to our conversation, I'm going to confess something. I had misunderstood something about the Gibraltar Bay unit before meeting these folks, and I'll own it. And Peter sets me straight. To tell you the truth, that's what the podcast is about. Correcting assumptions we make about the things we think we understand about all these things around us. I hope the podcast is helping to make parts of island life less mysterious and more accessible. Now on to the conversation about the Gross Eel Nature and Land Conservancy. Today I'm speaking with Peter Kantz, Aaron Parker, and Paul Glor from the Grossiel Nature and Land Conservancy about the organization and the efforts to conserve natural areas around Grossiel. Thank you for joining me for What's the Deal, Grossiel? So first, why don't you introduce yourselves and tell us what role you serve in the organization? Hey, uh, I'm Peter Kantz, and I'm the uh, president of Grossiel Nature and Land Conservancy. I've been the president for the last six years or so. And this will probably be my last year since the way we're set up, we're only allowed to be on the board for three consecutive three-year terms, and then we have to go off the board. So that's my role today. Okay, I'm uh, Paul Glor. I'm the uh, communication co-chair for the Conservancy and also our secretary, so I serve on our executive committee. I'm Erin Parker, and I am the brand new education committee chair. I'm also very new to the island. I just moved here in August, so this has been a great way to get to know folks and get involved right away. Oh, yeah. You really jumped in. <laughs> yes. They had an opening, and I had offered to volunteer, and suddenly I'm the chair. So uh, it's the way it works. <laughs> Let's talk about the conservancy. Uh, how did it get started? What's its mission? And how does it operate in the community? Hey, Peter, I well, can take this one. Okay. So, yep. The, so the Gross Eel Nature and Land Conservancy was founded in uh, 1993. There were about 12 Gross Seal residents who were concerned about the problems of preserving the island's semi-rural atmosphere in the face of uh, development pressure at that time. And so one of their recommendations was to form a land trust so that the community could uh, donate land and it would be vol- voluntarily preserved at the same time while sort of avoiding the whims of, uh, you know, local governments that can come and go or whatever. So uh, that was put into place in 1993 as a uh, uh, 501c nonprofit organization. In fact, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary in uh, 2018 with with a, a little party over on uh, uh, a little party. Elizabeth sorry, Park. I forgot. Elizabeth <laughs> Park. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The mission as of the Conservancy at that time was uh, stated as uh, to provide for public benefit, the preservation, stewardship, and understanding of the natural resources in the township of Grosseal and surrounding areas. So it's sort of a twofold thing. It's it's uh, protecting land and stewarding the land, and also educating the pop you know the population about the natural um, environment here in Grosseal. We've got about 150 or 200 membership member households. Uh, we we kind of classify our membership as based on households. So if your spouse signs up, you're a member too, but you're counted as one membership household. 
we have about 156 acres of land, either by direct ownership or administering conservation easements. I guess I, I mentioned, you know, I mentioned stewardship and education. Those are our two most active committees. Stewardship maintains and improves the different preserves that we have. Uh, and uh, also, you know, works maybe with the township or some other partners to, to help uh, improve some of our na- native areas. <clears throat> and the education committee, they conduct environmental education for people of all ages. And in fact, we've also <laughs> done some education with uh, some of our uh, um, uh, elected officials, either at the local or federal level over the years. So there's different elements of education that have to happen, either from uh, young children all the way up to... Uh, adults. We have a few other committees, uh, land acquisition, membership, fundraising, and communications, which really all work to handle more, you know, the administrative need of the, of the uh, conservancy. But our two most active uh, organizations are stewardship and education. Anything you want to add to that, guys? Well, I'd just like to say that uh, we're governed by a board of directors, and currently mm-hmm. we have 16 members on that board of directors. And, and the the board basically is made up of people from the community. I think all of our board members right now are, in fact, residents of Grow Seal. But we have a, a wide variety of backgrounds and skills on the board. We're very lucky in that respect. We have scientists. We have educators. We have lawyers. We have, you know, all kinds of people with all kinds of skills. And that's really what makes a strong board. Well, that's for sure. And, and you did talk about the education program. How, what form do the education programs take? So the education programs take a lot of different forms. And of course, COVID sort of changed everything for everyone. So sure. not as much happened in the past year. We're planning, now that we've switched everything to being virtual, uh, we'll have an outdoor component. So think of a guided hike that has a seasonal focus once a month. And they're open to everyone. So families with kids or senior citizens, you don't have to be a resident of Gross Seal to participate and those will change basically every month. There's a different topic um, and they just sort of celebrate whatever's going on in the outdoors that, that time of year. And I think a lot of people are surprised to find out winter is actually this really magical time to be outdoors. You can see tracks and you can hear birds and you can actually get really good at identifying trees without the leaves on. So there is, there's something happening in every month. Um, and those are typically a guided walk uh, led by a naturalist um, from the community. And so you get um, an expert out there with you or several experts and you get to see and hear and learn about what's going on. Um, we are going to include a virtual component this year. So if you don't feel comfortable or can't make an outdoor socially distanced masked walk um, this time of year, or you're just not available, we'll have an outdoor or a, excuse me, a virtual component to share so that you can go out and do some things on your own to know what to look for or listen for. Um, We're also hoping to reconnect with the schools and have some outdoor environmental education programs available to students um, and teachers in particular on the on the island. So lots of different ways that we try to connect people to the green spaces here, you know, really for all ages and and all interests. Sure. And the guided hikes, where do those usually happen at? Typically the Gibraltar Bay unit, though I have a couple planned um, for later this year. We're obviously waiting to see how things transpire with COVID, but the owl prowl is typically in October or November at Centennial Farm Park. And so actually I have another one planned there in July for sort of nocturnal twilight adventures. Let's go look for lightning bugs and listen for birds and maybe I have some acoustic bat monitoring equipment. So 
just kind of taking advantage of the different green spaces on the island, um, getting people to know them and the wildlife we share our spaces with. Sure. You know, we're, we're talking about you mentioned Centennial Park and, and Gibraltar Bay, but uh, GINLC isn't part of, of the township government, right? Correct. It's separate. How would you describe the difference? Well, the township government, uh, you refer more to open space and maybe the recreation department. Those, those activities are governed by township appointed committees or commissions. And for the most part, they are funded through tax revenue through millages, dedicated millages. For example, there was a dedicated millage for purchasing open space, and there is a dedicated millage for uh, the rec department. We, on the other hand, are rely completely on donations, either from our members and membership fees or grants or donations from uh, other organizations or, or foundations, et cetera. So in that respect, uh, we're different from the way they operate, our funding is different than the way I operate, and we're governed by a different group of people, a group of people that are not appointed by the township government, but by appointed by our actual members. Yeah, that's it's an important distinction to make, that's for sure. So I might so, I might add maybe though that we have you know we do work with the township on on an open space in some ways, but we do have a uh, you know a number of interactions with other organizations around. So you know we work with U.S. Fish and Wildlife. Uh, we work with the Boy Scouts. We have several Eagle Scout projects every year. We play a leadership role in the EPA's McClough Steel Community Advisory Group. So we're helping to get communications out about what's going on at the McClough Steel site, the Superfund site. Uh, we have a joint project with Friends of Detroit River to improve wetland area in Hennepin Marsh. As mentioned before, we've got a liaison person with the Open Space Greenway Committee. So you know, as as a you know, as an you know, we are a separate organization, but we do uh, interact quite a bit with some of the other local uh, organizations that share our vision. Yeah, I'd also like to add that we not only interact with them, but we actually steward a number of uh, township properties for the township. For example, uh, Sunrise Park. We have spent over sixty thousand dollars at Sunrise Park making improvement there, putting in retaining walls putting in spotting scopes and benches and landscaping, et cetera. Uh, we also steward Intrepid Pond, which is located on Meridian, on the corner of Meridian and Intrepid Road down there by the soccer fields. We steward that, that area for the township. We steward Gibraltar Bay, unit of the Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge for U.S. Fish and Wildlife. So even though those are not properties that are owned by us, we, in fact, do all the work there. We uh, steward the property. We we uh, improve, make improvements to the properties, and we spend a lot of money on those properties, money that comes from our donors. And sure. we get people out on those properties enjoying them and doing education programs, too. So we're sort of showcasing them for those other groups as well. Sure. I was going to ask about the stewardship, what forms that takes. So you talked about improvements and, and some general maintenance. Are there specific things? Well, stewardship will include the things you mentioned, but we also... Uh, do invasive plant removal, uh, phragmites and buckthorn and honeysuckle. We also plant native species when we steward some of our own properties and some of the township properties. For example, at Intrepid Pond, which is a township property, we planted dozens of trees there and bushes. We cut the grass there. We basically maintain that area for the township. On our own properties, we plant trees and, like say, remove invasive species. That's all really important. 
maybe mention too that at like the Hennepin Marsh Gateway, you know, we built a a uh, a trail and a boardwalk and an outlook to overlook uh, the the river on on the Hennepin Marsh. You know, where you see a lot of uh, migrating birds passing through at various times of the years and and stuff. So there's some areas where we make uh, improvements on our own properties and own preserves, and then some other that are you know owned by other entities. Going off of that, one of the things that we hear probably most often in social media from new Grossiel residents is that they can't find playgrounds. We've got the the one that's behind the post office is probably the, that one, and then the the ones at the elementary at the elementary schools are are probably it, as far as I know. Maybe maybe at some of the churches, but those are off limits a lot of times. So well, you have a nice you have a nice playground at Centennial Farm as well. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that one too. But but so a lot of people want to know why all these, not just the open space, but just the wildlife areas, we don't have more, say, maintained trails or playgrounds and that, that sort of recreational stuff. Do you want to say anything about that? Well, I guess you really have to address that mainly to open space and the recreation department. Sure. But on our own properties, I mean, we, we call our properties nature preserves. Right. So they're really not playgrounds. And all, most of our properties are smart, small parcels. Mm-hmm. So a playground or a parking lot really wouldn't fit on those parcels of land. Others, our larger parcels of land are wetlands and things like that. Areas that are very sensitive and we really can't build on those types of things. So we don't have playgrounds and parking lots for that reason. Uh, open space, you know, there is an open space ordinance and that ordinance really limits what they can do on open space. And I don't think playgrounds are allowed on open space. I don't think parking lots are allowed on open space. But that's something you'd really have to uh, talk to the township's representatives about sure. that. And people who are newer to the island don't realize that we didn't have parking down at Gibraltar Bay until just recently. Uh, not true. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, the parking lot at Gibraltar Bay has been there forever. <laughs> oh, I, I remember that that uh, there was a, some controversy a few years ago about about opening it up for parking. Did they extend the parking? Well, well uh, yes, correct. I mean, for a long time, Gibraltar Bay was only open when we, the Nature and Land Conservancy, hosted an open house there. Okay. Because that area wasn't that close to the public. At one time, it was owned by the EPA, and we stewarded it for the EPA. We built trails and observation platforms, but it could only be open when we actually had a physical presence there. So it was very limited. Once the U.S. Fish and Wildlife took it over, they opened it up from dawn to dusk. And there is a parking lot there, and the parking lot's been there forever. Okay. Well, that that clarifies all that. That that makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've seen a lot of people using that space during the, the pandemic. So mm-hmm. it's been definitely appreciated. I think it's a place that more people have experienced this year because they, well, maybe because the bridge is closed too. They don't have many places to go. So about the properties that GINLC owns, um, how do those become part of the organization? Well, most of them uh, came to us through donations. Our biggest donor of land so far has been BASF Corporation. They donated uh, Hennepin Marsh North, which is about 120 acres of land, but it's all underwater. It's a marsh. (laughs) They also donated to us the area that we call Hempton Park Gateway Preserve, which was two residential lots next to each other. And that's where we have a boardwalk and an observation platform overlooking the marsh. So that's been our biggest uh, donor of land. 
but we've also had a number of individuals who have donated their property to us, you know, a couple lots here and a couple lots there. And uh, they do that mainly for tax purposes. Uh, they get a tax write-off and they donate the property. We also get some of our land through the uh, Wayne County Land Bank. When property comes available through them, usually it's property that the Wayne County doesn't value highly at all. So we get it for a very small fee, basically a fee to transfer the uh, property to us. Uh, and those are the main ways we've uh, gotten property. We also have some easements, which are conservation easements. We don't own the property. The property owner still has that property under him, but he's agreed to leave that in its natural setting. So we have about maybe 10 or 12 acres on gross seal like that, and then about another eight or 10 acres in flat rock like that. Okay. conservation easements. So it extends past Grosseal then? Yes, we can own property in the Grosseal and the surrounding area. That's basically the way our, our mission is worded. But again, it's an opportunity for a landowner who wants to preserve his property in its sure. natural state to get a tax benefit by turning it into a conservation easement that we that we hold. Sure. Are there other organizations like this in downriver? Uh, there is a Southeast Michigan conservation. But yes, there are other organizations, not only in the downriver area, but all throughout Michigan. If people want to get involved with GINLC, how do they do that? Um, the website, uh, social media? Get joined. I mean, that's the way to do, get involved with us. And you can go to our website and there's a, a link on there that'll allow you to uh, become a member. Social media, Paul can talk about that. Paul, why don't you go into all the ways we communicate with the general public. Sure, sure. Yeah. So we do, we uh, do communicate with the, with the general public through uh, social media, like a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter presence. We have got a website. Um, we do have uh, informative uh, emails that go out to our membership and interested parties about once a month with other information. We have a newsletter uh, that we publish three times a year that uh, has some really excellent information. In it. I'm really proud of the newsletter that's put together by the organization that goes out. Uh, so that's so, so how do we do some of our communications? If people want to become in, you know more involved with the uh, conservancy, I think there's a few ways to do it. One is Peter mentioned, you know, become a member because your your donations make make it possible for us to do what we do. Volunteer their time and energy in various activities. Uh, you know, we've got we talked about stewardship and education, but we have other other needs. You know, office work or whatever. We have a photo contest that's run every year for the high school kids. It has, you know, about 200 photos every year for 10, uh, 10 different uh, high schools usually, usually participate. So we have all kinds of these other activities. And so we can use volunteers to help us do these things. To, to be honest, the more volunteers we had, the more we could do. People can donate land right? As we've talked about that before, or they could donate equipment. You know, we've got stewardship needs. So uh, it'd be you know, good to have a good chainsaw every now and then. <laughs> of course, people can leave legacies if they, if they want. And then I would think the other is just, you know, tell people about the, the, the work that you've seen done by the Conservancy. You know, we, we, we want to get the message out. I think this is an organization that does lots of good things on the island. You know, we'd like others to help us join and, and do that. So I'll just reiterate, anyone's welcome to come to an education program. So that's a great way to just sort of dip your toes in and, and sort of learn a little bit more, not just about the island, but about the organization. So That's right. Absolutely. And 
Every program is free to the public, so we don't charge admission or anything. Of course, we'll take a donation, but it's free, and you don't have to be a member to attend. So I'll get my I'll get my boots cleaned up here. <laughs> There's so many hot button issues around the river right now. I, anybody could name probably five or six right now. What What do you think are most critical to nature conservation in our area right now? Well, the biggest one has to be you know the McLeod Steel site and how it's going to be redeveloped going to be remediated first and then redeveloped. Like I say, like Paul mentioned, we do have a member of our board on the uh, Citizens Advisory Committee, our group, for that site. So we keep a very sharp eye on what's going on over there and in the other industrial areas around here. Our biggest concern is, especially with Trenton right across the channel from us, you know, how is Trenton going to redevelop the sites that you know, they're basically, they're losing the McLeod Steel site, the DTE site, the chemical plant site over there. All those things are very important to us. I think they should be important to everybody in the downriver area. I agree. Anything else that, that maybe um, we may be missing? I'd kind of raise maybe habitat loss in general in, in our area. You know, I see, uh, you know, the high waters have caused problems in wetland areas and uh, washing away uh, areas for fishes and stuff. And so, I you know, some of the activities going on with, you know, putting in shoals to protect wetlands, I think are, are useful. But I personally see a lot of damage done by the deer herd in our open space areas, my backyard too. Um, <laughs> so that's a bit of a problem. And, and you know, uh, we have, a, you know, a, an invasive species problem here, you know, phragmites are, are very, very difficult to control and, and uh, very disruptive to the, to the, to the native habitats. What are those and, and what do they look like? So the Phragmites, they look like uh, they're tall. I'm going to, I'm going to get this wrong because I'm not a naturalist, but they're, <laughs> and maybe Eric can help me here, but they're, they're tall uh, reed-like structures. Yeah. With, with the, the big, big fuzzy seed head. head. You see oh. them everywhere. You probably don't even notice them. They're just, they're along I-75. They're on the island. It, they're tall plants and they're thick. And then they have this big fluffy seed head on them right now. I think I, I have some in my backyard. Probably. Yeah. If you have a wet spot, you probably do. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and you, if you imagine a stand of them, they're really hard to walk through sure. for us, but that also limits their value to wildlife for nesting or even for hiding or feeding. They're not a good food source and they're really hard to get rid of. Um, mm-hmm. They're a really tough plant. So. so how do you get rid of it? <laughs> well, for, for example, at the Hennepin Marsh Gateway, about oh, probably eight years ago, maybe 10 years ago, we had a burn where it actually burned them all out of there. But oh. they return. I mean, it's almost impossible to actually kill them. There's chemicals you can put on them to kill them. Uh, you can cut them down and just keep cutting them down and staying ahead of them that way. But uh, I don't think anybody's come up with a real way of actually controlling them yet. Okay. Well, if anybody has those at home, good luck. We'll try to, you know, at any bit we can get rid of is, is helpful. Asked about that. That's sort of the, the downside of all this. But what's your favorite natural space around the island and, and why? Well, I think mine is probably the Gibraltar Bay, a unit of the Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge. And the reason why is because it's really a complete wildlife refuge where people can go and experience nature. There's signage there. There's trails there. There's picnic tables there. There's observations platforms there, there's benches, and, and it's uh, really well laid out. So as far as 
a place where people can go and enjoy nature. That's probably the most developed place on the island for that type of activity. I really have loved hiking in the woods right off Meridian. Um, I think it's just called Meridian Woods. We have a little property with the kiosk there. Um, That trail system is beautiful. There's been really interesting birds back there every time I've gone and it's well-maintained. And what, what I see when I'm walking out there with the eyes of someone who's paying attention to sort of invasive species or native plants is that it's a much more open woods. Our invasive species tend to be really thick and tangly. There's a lot of um, invasive shrubs. And in that woods, there a lot of them have been removed. So you have these sort of views of big trees, um, hickories and oaks and things that should be here. Um, and that means that's really good habitat for birds. I haven't been here in the spring, but I suspect it's going to be a great spot for frogs and migratory birds. Um, but I, that's a really delightful, there's not, the parking is right on Meridian, so it's not fantastic, but um, it's a really wonderful hike in there. And with school virtual now, you can probably park at Meridian during the day. So True. Maybe. I think probably my favorite uh, spot is Sunrise Park. I spend a, quite a bit of time kayaking on the Detroit River, which is a fabulous place to paddle around here. And Sunrise Park is a really nice uh, beach to launch from. It's very easy to launch. And and by the way, the Conservancy built a kayak slide there to get your boats uh, down to the beach and back up again, too. So uh, that's, really that's probably neat. my favorite spot. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all this with me today. I, I'm certain we'll talk more about some particular areas and projects in the future. And I'm sure I speak for nearly everyone when I say that I appreciate you and I appreciate the work that you've been doing. Thank you very much. So we've come to the end. Uh, this is where I ask if you'd like to make a wish for Grosseal. Do you have Do you have a wish in mind that you'd like to grant for the for the island? Well, you know, if this is like a Christmas wish type thing, then I guess I would like to see more uh, waterfront type access for the residents. You know, we're on an island, we're surrounded by water, but access to that water is very very limited. So I think it needs to become a priority for the township administration, the board, to really go after a real park on the water for the residents. You know, Sunrise Park is really the only thing we have, but it's a very, very small park. Mm -hmm. It's centrally located. It's nice. Everybody who goes there enjoys it, but it just doesn't have the size that we need to really accommodate a lot of people. Yeah. My, my wish is always that people go outside and appreciate whatever the changing seasons are showcasing. I, the reason we live here is because of all this amazing green space and the ability to kayak and walk and bike and really see the wildlife here. And so I just my wish would be that everyone would go out and do that. And if you need some help, come join one of our programs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'd maybe just tap onto that one that I think, you know, the my personal wish is that I wish more of the Islanders knew of the, the good work done by this organization and would volunteer some of their time to help out and make it even better for us all. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for taking the time to, to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Like I said at the start of this episode, I really learned a lot from this conversation. It has really changed how I look at the wild areas I pass every day, or at least that I used to pass every day when I was able to leave the house. I want you to know that membership is really pretty simple. You can use a form and PayPal link on their website to join, and the level of giving is completely up to you. We all benefit from the work being done. This Saturday, GINLC is hosting a guided hike at Gibraltar Bay. That's Saturday, January 9th, 2021, at 1 p.m. 
Check the web and social media for details. Links, as always, are in the description and in the transcript. Now, I've been asked how listeners can support the podcast. I think it's obvious that I'm not out to make a living from talking about Gross Eel. But I know that a lot of listeners appreciate what I'm doing and want to help it succeed. If you're one of those folks, I'm going to make that a little easier. Look on Facebook and Instagram for ways you can support the effort. Only one way involves money. Thanks for your support, and I wish you the best that 2021 has to offer. Happiest of New Year's, Gross Eel. What's the Deal, Gross Eel? is recorded and produced by me, Ben Fote. You can keep in touch with me through the What's the Deal, Gross Eel Facebook page or email me at whatsthedealgi at gmail.com. You can share episodes from Facebook or hear them from the website, whatsthedealgi.com. And of course, it never hurts to subscribe so you can get the latest episodes through your favorite podcast delivery tool, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and so many others. Our intro and credit music is Mocktails in the Rain by Antti Ludo, which is used through a Creative Commons license. Find more of his music on soundclick.com as Antti's Instrumentals. Thanks for listening to... What's the deal, Grosiel?